This was a great round of footy if you're a fan of some teams, but if you're a fan of others, um, they definitely caught you off guard, definitely underperformed. And uh, in some cases, like mine, they got absolutely blown out of the water, but at least I'm a Giants fan and not a Port Adelaide fan. Things could still be worse. Um, also, I mean, the Swans may have barely won, uh, you know, 11-point win right there, but as Donnie was talking about earlier before we started up, Quite the scare going through Sydney when the ruse kind of took him uh, took him by surprise. But there's that's one of those teams where you should not be surprised by if they start playing well. Also, much like Gold Coast, apparently, because wow, um, Carlton fans, I'm sorry. Maybe um, you had those uh, grand final tickets in your cart. Don't go ahead and buy them yet. Give them a couple more seconds and then. Uh, Maybe you could take a look at going to that again. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into our round four breakdown. Of course, I'm your host, Ross Allen. Join the next side, the best in the business, the fourth long AFL correspondent, Coach Donnie. And Coach, uh, how are you feeling after another pretty dang good round of footy? Wow, this is another one of those, depending on certain, depending on certain, uh, certain fan bases, you're, you're, you might have heart palpitations after this particular round and as i as i told as i told ross i said i'm i'm a frequent to sydney swans social media and let's just safe to say about midway through the third quarter the panic button was being slammed as many times as possible by many swans fans but i i i want to say to many of them I think it was a little premature that we kind of thought this was an easy win because that was an inspired North Melbourne team that mm -hmm. I think played a lot more like I was expecting them to be this year. I was expecting them to improve and to be a better team. So as worrisome as some might think it was, it's a win. It's a tough win. And it's a thing that especially when you have a youthful team, sometimes it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a game where you're not at your best. But if you can pull out four points and get a win – there's, there's still abilities to coach. So, but there are some teams that I look and I go, what's, how is the rest of your season going to go? Because there's teams like, like Port Adelaide and the Western Bulldogs that more questions than answers came mm. from this round. Yeah, that, that is certainly for sure. And that's one that's still one of the great things about this sport, especially this season. There is not an easy game on anyone's schedule. Every team can win it. And it's almost like the whole uh, throw it over to the gridiron saying, any given Sunday, I guess we go any given Saturday, mostly. I Any given weekend. <laughs> Wants any given weekend for the AFL. Um, that's that's what I'm going to go with there. But uh, we got a banger of a show, of course, for you guys. Uh, um, Donnie always loves the overreactions, and I still have been able to bring them, um, bring some good ones to the table for this one. So you're going to stay tuned for that. We're going to get our thoughts on the whole Patty Ryder situation. And it's more of the same than it is anything changing on this one. And... 
Some people's jobs are in line, more specifically this one guy, and then this one specific player is, well, I mean, him among others, but him especially is having a year of his life so far. And uh, just stay tuned to them because once you get to our tips, um, I uh, I got one loaded up for, for you guys this round that I think you'll enjoy. I'm just going to drop that teaser right there. But before we get into our overreaction for round four, you lucky people get to listen to an ad. <laughs> hey, it's the publisher here, Mr. Kelly Cole. Listen, if you are a former professional athlete, if you are a former college athlete or sports coach, and you're looking to launch your speaking career, let me tell you, you need a book. If you're already out there speaking and you want to track more high-paid speaking engagements, you need a book. It's not about creating more content to post on social media. It's not about recording a bunch of videos. It's not about doing more podcasts. The number one secret to attracting more high-paid speaking engagements or even launching your speaking career is a book. Hey, I'm the publisher, Mr. Kelly Cole, and I help former athletes and sports coaches create best-selling books in 30 days to launch their speaking career, even if they hate writing and don't know where to start. So for the first time ever, I've created a free case study video that will not only show you how to write a book from scratch in a little as 30 days and become a best-selling author, it will also show you how to attract more high-paid speaking engagements. Now, to check out this free case study video, click the link that says learn more or go to Books for Athletes dot com real quick before you go do not go if you're not a former athlete or sports coach because you won't find any value in what i'm about to share and don't go if your book is already out and already on amazon you won't find any value in what i share over there but if you are a former athlete or sports coach know that you need a book or um already out there speaking and you want to launch your speaking career go check out that link now writing a book is not as hard as you think it doesn't even matter if you don't know where to start. My case study video will show you how to start and get it done and on to the bestsellers list. So go now. Yep. And for if you're anyone out there, if you either know a former athlete or if you are a former athlete yourself, it's a lot easier to write the book than you think. So go on over and check them out um, over at athletes, uh, booksforathletes.com. Everything's linked or go hit us up on our socials. And speaking of socials, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram now at 4th in Long Media. But it is time. Without further ado, let's hop into one of the best parts. You know, when it comes to dropping scalding hot takes and making statements that have zero backing besides my gut feeling that's probably wrong, it's time for our overreactions. Of course, I compile a list of statements from the round of footy, and it's up to Donnie to deem it an overreaction or not. And the first one I got for you guys this round is... That St. Kilda absolutely belongs in the top four. Oh, man. Three straight wins. Again, this is... Against decent teams. I, I, and I love... But how impressive a teams have they played? It, 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 Hawthorne, there, there's still some questions on Hawthorne's whether Hawthorne amazing. is We've legit or not. <laughs> Fremantle, again, we, we don't know. Is, is Fremantle legitimate or not? So... 
and then Adelaide. So it's not like these are world beaters. It's not like it's three wins versus Brisbane, Geelong, and Melbourne. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if those were the three wins, yes, I would say top four all day, every day. I mean, they're probably top one I'm at that point. I'm hesitant. <laughs> I think this is, yeah, I, I think this is an overreaction right now because, again, the, the, the meat of their schedule is still to come. But they have to keep winning, and they can't rely on fourth quarter comebacks. Now, this round, very, very, I mean, absolutely magnificent win over Hawthorne. I mean, some people would say this maybe was the was them exposing Hawthorne a little bit this round. But I'm still on the fence with this St. Kilda team because the two previous wins were had to be fourth quarter comebacks. And when you play a Melbourne, you play a Geelong, you play a Brisbane, you're not going to get that golden chance as much as you would against some of the teams that they've done it against. So I, I believe this is still an overreaction, but St. Kilda has the ability and the skills to get there. My issue will come with a, a discussion point. We'll talk about it a little bit later. I won't bring it up now, mm. but I'm thinking this discussion point could hurt them a lot over these next couple of weeks. Ooh, I, yeah, I think we know exactly what you're talking about with this one. And, St. Kilda, um, they're one of the, definitely one of the teams where you thought preseason that there's a good chance that they can actually overcome their shaky play at times and make it into the top eight and kind of have a bit of a breakthrough here. They've gone off to a phenomenal start. These 12 points through the first four rounds are going to do wonders later in the season, especially when it comes to their percentage points as well. Um, I could, I, I easily see them as a play, as, sorry, a not, Playoff finals team. Thank you very much. I easily see them as a finals team at this point, um, especially when you got, you know, Ben King having a freaking fantastic start to the season so far. Right now, he's, you know, or sorry, excuse me, not Ben King, Max King. Um, you'll have to forgive me for that one, even though I know you won't. Um, he's tied with uh, Tommy Hawkins for, you know, the, the current Coleman leader right now. So that definitely cannot go understated. Um, but round two, and speaking of the aforementioned Tommy Hawkins, it's time, Donnie, to lock him in as the 2022 Coleman Medal winner. Another one, I'm, I'm going to go overreaction because my worry is Jeremy Cameron's name. It, it, I'm mm. With both those two up there, I think it does decrease. I think it decreases the other's output a little bit like if Hawkins was the only full forward on Geelong's team I think you have a little bit more of an argument if if a Cameron is the only one on this Geelong team and no Hawkins it's kind of the same thing I'm one of those I look at it and I go I'm gonna say overreaction on this one because again I think Jeremy Cameron is going to be the reason why he does it mm. instead of like a team like a Max King at St. Kilda a Max King at St. Kilda a Harry Mackay at, at Carlton Buddy Franklin, when he when he isn't injured um, at, at Sydney, you don't have that other big time full forward that's really mm-hmm. good at kicking goals. So I'm I'm gonna say overreaction, but you never know if if Geelong has several games like they did against Essendon, where they're kicking, where a guy is kicking five or six goals, or like this week when a guy kicks five goals, mm-hmm. it's very easy to get up the Coleman leaderboard quite quickly. Oh yeah, or just wait till one of them has. A um, you know, a Bruce like ten goal performance real quick and just totally put themselves out of nowhere. 
And, uh, you know, right now, if you take a look at it, you got um, a lot of people tied. Um, so it's Tom and Max Keen right there at 13 with Joe Denner, Mitch Lewis, and Peter Wright right behind them at 12. And then Swan, uh, Swan's favorite, Isaac Heaney, there at, um, with 11 goals. A lot of guys tied for 10. And then a lot of guys tied for 9 in that category would be a Lance Franklin and a Jeremy Cameron. So they're definitely right there. Um, but the way Geelong has... I've been super impressed by Geelong's pace, I think, so far this season, where they've just looked faster. And I know they've always been a regular season team. You know, it's in the big questions what happens when we get to the finals. But the way they're looking right now, normally, like, you think of Geelong as a team that puts up a lot of points, but they're not necessarily flashy. If flashy, it's a lot more methodical, if you know what I mean. It's like a nice... um. It's a, like a nice ground and pound team in the NFL where they're just chunking out yards and they're making plays and they're scoring points, but they're not, you know, throwing 60 yard touchdowns at a time. That's what it feels like with Geelong right now because Sweet Dan, their offense has been crazy. For them to outperform a Brisbane offense that's looked as good as it has so far this year, I think um, there's a lot of credit that you got to give that side of the footy. Um, but going into a speaking uh, about giving credit, I, you might have to take it away from this team because they haven't looked great this season. So statement number three for the overreactions this round is that the doggies are going to miss out of the finals this season. Oh man, this is one of those. It's not looking good, but then my retort to you is this, is that, They've played four games, and they've played four teams that if you look at their appointments on the ladder, they're pretty high. They played number one, number six, number seven, and number ten. They haven't played a single team in the bottom seven mm -hmm. of the ladder. So and then and then I went through it and then I go, This is that I I, I plugged their I plugged their um their fixture in, in. So so they just finished with Richmond. These are their next five games. And honestly, tell me if these are not five winnable games. North Melbourne, Adelaide Groves, Essendon Bombers, Port Adelaide, Collingwood, Gold Coast, and the West Coast Eagles are their next seven games. All due respect, I think that's seven potential wins there. Mm -hmm. looking, just looking at this, they could go seven for their next seven. I think they have enough to beat North. Yes, They've, they've had some issues defensively, but is, is North as dominant a team? We'll have to see again. Can English go up against Giri and Goldstein? That's the biggest thing mm -hmm. there. I think they should beat Adelaide. Adelaide, after Riley O'Brien, the midfield, I think is susceptible. Essendon's a team. Essendon and Collingwood are the two teams in that five-game set that I would be the most worried about if I was the Doggies. I have a lot more faith in Collingwood. The ability winning. to score. Well, the the ability to score mm -hmm. just 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 off the team there, the ability to score. Port Adelaide again, if it's Port Adelaide more healthy, Port Adelaide is a better chance in this game. Mm -hmm. If Alira Lear potentially could be back, we'll have to see. Charlie Dixon is still out for another month, so there's their their talisman up front is still out. So I look at it over their next seven, they could go. They can go seven and zero oh until their next game against a top side, which is Geelong. So I, I mean. I understand, yes, they're one in three after the first four games. But like I said, you play Melbourne, the number one team. You play Carlton, the number six team, the number seven team. Sydney, who's the sixth seed. And then Richmond, who's the 10, who everybody thought was going to be in the final. Mm -hmm. So I think this is more of a, a overreaction because of who they've played more than 
what they actually showed. Again, yeah. I, I hate damaging a team because they play good teams mm-hmm. and lose, then punishing them for that particular fact. So it's like I try to keep it kind of in the middle. So To be fair, the, yeah, no, you make a great point there. I guess one of the things I, I just have about this one is that it's one thing to lose to a good team. It's another to lose to what seems like a mid-tier team right now in Richmond by 38 when you kick 7-19. No matter who you play, that is a ugly, ugly performance. The only one, the only people that, that kicking-wise, that made that performance look better and, and it, not the worst was poor Alex somehow going 4-12. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and... and, and, and... Completely under, completely understandable, and, and I understand that argument. That's a great argument. But then again, though, the, the other argument is is if is if the Western Bulldogs kick half of those goals straight, they destroy Richmond by twenty or thirty. Exactly. So, so. that's kind of the it's it's one of those. Yes, they didn't play well, but it's the it's the inaccuracy up front, which again, it, not having Bruce does hurt them because they don't have that experienced, really accurate full forward. Not as great as he is catching marks. It's not as consistent kicking goals. So I 100% agree with you on, on that particular. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that is a great kind of counterpoint to what I was kind of saying is that, again, will their goal kicking hurt them? I think they've got some games where I don't think their goal kicking is going to be, is going to have to be as accurate mm-hmm. As it would have to be against a top side, uh, but again, you, you never know. Again, North Melbourne had one heck of a game against Sydney. Put the put the fear of God in them, and in, in, in what some people would say. <laughs> so, um, again, I, I think it's an overreaction right now. Mm-hmm. But let's see how these next three or four games go. Because I mean, like I said, in four games they could be four and zero, oh and be five and be five and three, and be right back into the finals contention. So, absolutely. And ladies and gentlemen, before we get to the um, next segment here, just go ahead. Mark down round four is one of the few, very few times I actually get a good counterpoint onto Donnie. I'll count that as a big old win in my book. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, you, you take what you can get. Uh, it's like. It's like the Giants, man. They they kind of have a chance, not really most games, and it's lucky if they win. Uh, oh, I don't want to talk. Oh, gosh, it's it's gonna be another one of those long, long years. Um, I have the worst luck when it comes to picking football teams. At least the Broncos got Russell Wilson, and that's the only thing I have to hang my hat on when it comes to any <laughs> of my favorite professional sports. Um, so we're going to see about that one. Uh, <laughs> but those are overreactions for this round. Um, let us know your thoughts on this one. Is St. Kild or does St. Kilda belong in the top four? Is uh, Tom Hawkins already a lock for the Coleman? And what do you have the, with the doggies? And will they finish in the top uh, top eight? Will they miss out? Is it time to hit the panic button? Uh, but what we're going to move on into before we get to what the blank, it's time for us to go over some of the more hot button issues when it comes to the AFL. I know there's plenty of those each round. Uh, we never run out of great content. Uh, and it's mostly because... Um, here, I'm, I'm going to hop back on the bandwagon, Donnie. Um, it's the damn Victorian media, the boogeyman of the AFL, the greatest scapegoat in the sports world besides Roger Goodell. No, Roger Goodell sucks. Rob Manfred is also a great scapegoat, too. But I can't even call them <laughs> scapegoats when they they deserve everything that, that's coming to them. Um, but the first controversial thing we're going to talk about this round is none other than the suspension to Patty Ryder. Of course, um... He's been booked out for two weeks. Um, his um, his uh, 
appeal was thrown out by the league. That, that uh, suspension is sticking for his um, high contact against um, uh, when they were playing Hawthorne this round. And it's not okay. one of those cases, Donnie, where I definitely see both sides. I have my opinion on how I think this should go. But it's the one thing that I have to applaud the AFL for is that they're actually staying consistent with their ruling, even though I don't agree. Well, uh, can I? I don't know. Can I? Uh, you know what? When it comes to the rule, when it comes to the rule is the rule, <sighs> hit them in the head. That's that's a uh, a free kick and and then the suspension from that. But it's another one of those cases where we come back to it again. Is it the is it the play that's being penalized or is it the result that's being penalized in this situation? Okay, all right. So if you ask some people, the AFL is far from consistent when it comes to handing out the handing out theirs because you take the Willie you take the Willie Rioli situation with Matt Rowell where he goes up. He panics because he isn't going to get the football. He protects himself and hits Matt Rowell on the head. And the only reason he doesn't get suspended is because Matt Rowell continues to play, yeah. which is another reason where I I don't like the fact that the that the AFL has basically said it's that they they, they don't. I, how do I say this? <laughs> See, they don't it's, cop it's it. It's so hard they, to talk about this with AFL. Well, but they're in, they are inconsistent because, in my personal opinion, opinion, it should be the action, not the result. Like yes. I don't care what the result is. Yes. I don't care if a guy gets concussed or a guy doesn't. If it's head high hit, that should be a suspension. Well, Let's Donnie, they're going to quote it, that. Okay? Donnie, it says, "I don't care if they get concussed or not." <laughs> no, that's not what I mean. What I mean is I don't care if they get concussed or not. That should be a suspension, mm -hmm. no matter if they get concussed or not. Now, here, here's where, again, the Patty Ryder Pandora box here is one of those, again, everybody has got an opinion on why it was or why it wasn't. Mm -hmm. I am one of those. This is my personal opinion. I've had this discussion, and I love the counterpoints because the counterpoints are are they make sense, but some of the counterpoints I've heard don't. Okay, mm. so so Patty Ryder hits Will Day, concusses him. He gets a two game suspension, appeals through the MRO, and it gets thrown out. The reason is because Will Day is concussed, plain and simply. Do I think he had an opportunity to get out of the bump that he did? No, it is a split second decision. One hundred percent understand, mm -hmm. but he didn't have to bump. That's the mm -hmm. other. It's and I understand. It's 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 bang bang, but it, it's another one of those. You're taller than this kid that you're gonna hit. You gotta get. You gotta try to get lower. You you have to, or avoid contact at all costs. Or try to go for the spoil, whether you dive or whether you just stick your hands out intentionally. Try something besides the bump because the bump in that situation is just a bad option because mm -hmm. there's no good way to bump a guy that's just kicked. Okay. My favorite, my favorite kind of counterpoint that everybody's saying, well, why didn't Tim English get suspended on his hit on Nick Blakey? Mm -hmm. Well, it's quite simple. If you actually watch the footage, um, English's first point of contact is with his forearm. And it's in Blakey's chest. And Blakey is not concussed. Blakey continues the game. So the people that are comparing the two, it's not really the same because Ryder does hit him with the shoulder. He does get him in. The, he does whether he gets him in the head or whether it's whiplash is still. It's really hard to tell in some of the camera angles. So I'm not. I'm going to say 
he was given a concussion because he hit him with his shoulder, not a forearm to the chest, which was pretty obvious in the Blakey. Con- Again, I yep. watched that game. So the the people that are trying to say Blakey got hit in the head, no, he didn't. I watched it. I watched the replays. I watched it over <laughs> and over. It was a forearm to the chest. So I just I don't I don't agree with that argument. Mm-hmm. Do I agree with the suspension? No. But I understand the suspension. Mm. That, that's kind of like how the whole word take on Toby Green. Exactly. It's another. I don't. I don't agree. I don't agree with it mm-hmm. in in the long run. I don't think. It, I I think it should have been one max. I'm there I with think you. It should have been I was about to say more. that. Yep. I think it's. I think it's egregious. But I understand why they did it. But I just. I think the AFL needs to kind of just make. And I wish there. I there was. There's other sports. I've said it over here with the NHL. I think I said I. Star be damned. I don't care if you hit somebody in the head. You should get a. You should get a suspension for it. And I think it should be a mandatory. First time you hit somebody in the head, that's a game or two games, mm-hmm. and then double it for each and every time it happens there. And then maybe you'll get it out of the game. That's my honest opinion. The issue that I see is is that way too many times is is superstars get the benefit of the doubt. Mm. And I hate that. Mm-hmm. And I really, really hate that. And then it, then you get guys like Toby Green that doesn't get the benefit of the doubt in anything and usually gets slapped pretty pretty viciously I'm with fairly. it. That's where you, you will see hunt. me give a little bit of leeway. Exactly. I don't know about witch hunt. I, but it I is do one of those know witch hunt. It's a witch hunt. There is a giant conspiracy theory out to get the Giants because if the <laughs> AFL didn't – if they, the AFL then stops this night Toby Green, they'd be winning every single grand final and it wouldn't be fair. So I understand if those were what okay get down <laughs> off the super high dive there dude you're you're jumping from a little high there okay there, there's no I, bias just, like I said, yeah I know <laughs> again do I agree with the do I agree with the suspension because of the outcome yes do mm-hmm. I do I like it no I don't like it I I think it, it, I think it, it is a gray area because of the bang bang nature but I'm one of those. I, I agree with what somebody said in one of the discussions that I had. It, it's too gray. There's there's too many gray areas. They need to kind of make it black and white and stop. Pardon my French. Stop screwing with it. Mm-hmm. Say it plain and simply. You hit somebody in the head, whether it's intentional or not, that's a game. You do it again, that's two games. You do it again, that's four games. You do it again, that's five games. You do it a fifth time, you're suspended for the rest of the year. See, now you're going after the root cause here, which is which is perfect because the root, and to me, the root issue here is not necessarily the suspension or it's not necessarily the hit it's it's not necessarily the rule or or i guess it is rule because the afl has an issue with pen like i said earlier they have an issue with penalizing the 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 outcome and not the play you can't do that because like you said it should be black and white when you when you penalize the outcome that puts this whole thing into a bad gray area that doesn't work out for anyone you know it we we should see them being penalized, you know, concussion or not. Like you said, if you hit the head, it's black and white. That's a penalty. It, that takes away a lot of the confusion from this and a lot of the controversy as well. Because if the rules are um, like they're trying to do with some of the black and white stuff, I guess, with the man on the mark rule, where and also the holding the ball rule, where they're trying to make it more black and white, you might not be as on board with the calling. But at least the calling is the rule, and we all understand the the not only the fact that it's going to be called that we also understand the amount of punishment that's going to come off of it that that's the main thing here 
Well, but the one issue that I always see with this, and I, I especially see it over here with the NHL, is is that is is when it starts getting pick and choose when it's going to be used and when it's not. Like I'm, I'm one of those, and I'll say this: if Dangerfield, if Fife, if Toby Green, if Lockie Neal, if Nat Fife, if any of these, if any of these superstars do it, they should be suspended just as much as others. Absolutely. The one thing that really irks me off is when they pick and choose when guys can and can't be suspended. I don't like it. It sets a bad precedent. Mm-hmm. I hate it over here in the NHL when you get it when you get a superstar like a Sidney Crosby that does something, he gets a fine, and then another guy that's a third liner does it and he gets a two game suspension. I hate that because it contradicts what you're trying to do. That's why I said make it a black and white rule. You hit somebody in the head, whether intentional or not, that's a game. Mm-hmm. Well we and then my other and everybody's like, Well the bump is dead. The bump is not dead. The bump just needs to be done properly in the right places. There's just certain places you just are not, should not bump. I mean, so it's like, I, I, there's this overarching jump to conclusion. The, The sport is soft. No, it's not. The sport is more intelligent because we know about things that we didn't know 20 years ago. We know about concussions. We didn't know about concussions 20 years ago. Stop talking like this is the 70s and the 80s. It's a different game. It's a different sport. It is faster. It is much more scientific. It mm-hmm. is much more athletic. Mm-hmm. Stop making it about toughness. It's not about toughness. That's, it's the most ridiculous argument point that really irritates me when people go on to it. Stop talking about softness. That, that has nothing to do with this. Okay. The rule changes are to protect these players from being dementia patients at 50. (laughs) That's the issue that we cannot have. The AFL has concussion issues, um, lawsuits coming up in the next probably five years. I can almost guarantee you it because of guys that played in the late eighties and the early nineties that did not know about concussions. The sport didn't talk about it. The sport, it's just like the NFL, what the NFL is going through over here. It, the toughness that you saw in those late days may have been great, but those guys are absolutely destroyed body-wise and mentally because they were hard. And I know that's going to ruffle some feathers, but that's just the way it was because they didn't know about concussions because it was one of those, oh, you just got your bell rung. You'll be fine. Check it off. You can go back in. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the difference. Like, I, I understand that you want this to be a tough sport. There, there's a point when it's toughness and then it's stupidity. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, too many of the people arguing about the toughness, now you're talking about stupidity. Mm-hmm. You're not talking about toughness. And, and that's that's just my simple. And again, I'm not trying to ruffle feathers here, people, but let's just, we have to live in present day. This is 2022. This isn't 1975. Okay. We have to realize this is a different sport. Mm-hmm. It is a completely different animal. These guys have mental issues. They have mental health issues. They didn't have that back in the days, okay? So we need to upgrade our language when it comes to talking about the sport. I dropped the soft crap because it, it is undeniably redundant to me. Stop talking about it. The sport is not soft. In fact, I'll sit here and tell you this right now. Some of these athletes, if you put them back in the 70s, would destroy some of the 70s athletes because they're much more athletic, much stronger, much faster, some people don't want to hear that, but that's just the honest to God truth. So stop talking about hardness. That, that's that's it's a ridiculous comment. It, it breeds nothing when it comes to the sport. 
Okay. Patty Ryder, I'm sorry he got a two game suspension. I really am. But unfortunately, he he's kind of the scapegoat in this. Yep. He's getting something that honestly, I think Willie Rioli probably should have got two weeks ago. He jumped, he hit he hit Matty Rowell on the head, and the only reason he didn't get suspended, Matty Rowell got up and continued to play. It was kind of like I, I listened to a podcast today, it was like the reason Matty Rowell the reason Willie Rioli wasn't suspended because Matty Rowell has a tough head. Is, is what one of the pundits said. And I, I hate saying it. It's, it's, true. it's kind of the perfect argument. Is that the reason really we only didn't get a suspension is because Matty Rowell has a, t- has, has a thick skull or a tough head. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really hard to, to dispute that one there, but also hopefully um, you guys were like me and enjoyed um, another edition of Donnie's Soapbox. I am always a fan because you never know <laughs> when or what is going to cause it. And so it always keeps you on the edge of your seat. Um, and the next thing we're going to step in and jump into here is one that is finally we get a story that's less controversy and more just fact because we cannot get that. Um, we, we don't get that enough, sweet damn. But um, the league's chief executive for eight, the last eight years now, uh, Gil McLaughlin, is re- officially resigning at the end of the 2022 season. He has put out that statement uh, pretty recently. So the big question here that everyone's asking is, is the league in a better spot now than it was when he took over? Well, if you ask Melbourne coach, if you ask the Melbourne coach, he would say yes, yes, and yes, because the sport as a whole is in a better place athletically when it comes to sponsorship wise, everything like that. Now, Gil McLaughlin is one of those that it depends on how you look at the league, on how you're going to look at his tenure. Mm-hmm. It is hard not to argue that his tenure was quite successful. A lot of really good things. The AFLW got launched. The AFLW is just going is just gotten through its sixth season. It's getting ready for its seventh. It just expanded four more teams to get all eighteen teams in it, which is an accomplishment. But then there are then there are people on the opposite side that go well. They're still part-time. They're not being paid full-time. Are they really being compensated? Uh, is is the league is – and then my other troll favorite is the league's quality is not as good. Again, that's – it's an ignorant comment because these girls are part-time, not full-time. So you expecting AFL standard for a part-time player is ridiculous mm-hmm. upon ridiculous, but that's just me personally. And the fact that the league is only six years old, not 106 <laughs> years old like the AFL is – so we'll go there. Um, in my personal opinion, Gillian McLaughlin has done a wonderful job. He navigated them through two years of COVID absolutely spectacularly, very few bumps. The ability for him and the AFL to be able to keep the season going in 2020 with everything that went on, how all hell broke loose mm-hmm. when they canceled, when they, when they postponed the season and then had to wait and had to get them into hubs. He's done a magnificent job. Are is every decision that Gil McLaughlin done been gold? No, I mean no general, no CEO of anything is going to have a one hundred percent record when it comes to every decision that they've made. Mm-hmm. People are going to make mistakes. Has he made more positive positive um, impacts than negative? I, I personally think so. Um, I think his eight year tenure has been fantastic. Um, the timing is the only thing I find a tiny bit peculiar that it is in the middle of round four, mm. because now this kind of leaves the all year discussion of, 
who is his successor? Who's going to step in and take the CEO role of the AFL next year? And there's tons of names. I, I haven't written down the names because for me, this is a non, this is a non event for me to discuss at this Donnie point. Donnie Hess. Because we're only, we're only <laughs> um, yeah, I don't you know. know if screw it. Give me the rain, Sonny. I think I'm ready. I've seen, I've seen two and a half years of footy. It's time to go. <laughs> well, I know it was. It, I, I know he'll, he'll get a kick out of it if he's listening to this podcast. But I know Craig Wessels yes. officially put put his name in the rank Dude, in the let's running. Let's go, Craig. Via, let's go, via, Craig. Um, his inst, his insta, um, one of his social medias, he put a video out. So I'll, I'll, I'll support him on that. And his, his video is absolutely classic. So, so Craig, if you do hear this, um, uh, you got my vote. Hey. <laughs> if I had one, you would have my vote. That would be awesome. So no, I'm again, the context of the context of this is, is that, um, I respect the guy. He's staying on through the end of the year, and he's got a ton of things. He's got a CBA to sign for both the men's and the women's. Yeah, he's got the Tazi the Tazi license that they're trying to get through. That they're hopefully trying to maybe get a decision done by the it's end of the year. Not going to be easy retirement. He well, he's he's kind of he's he's going to sail into retirement with the most work any person that's going into <laughs> retirement would have. So I, I got to give it. He, he's not he's not going out. Putting the putting putting the uh, putting the proverbial martini in his hand and just relaxing the entire time. No. He's still going to work, so I got to give Gil McLaughlin and a round of applause a little bit to Gil because he he's not just sailing off into the proverbial sunset here. I mean, he's still putting it. He'll, he's still putting the boots on and going to work for these last few months of the season. More about so, taking a hike. Good on you, Gil. Good on you, Gil. Um, hell of hell of a job. Uh, thank you for your service, and I hope that your retirement with with your family after this is is well deserved. No matter if you do another job or if you sail into the sunset. So yeah, you know, obviously, I personally cannot speak on the eight years. I definitely cannot speak on the pre-Gill years of the AFL. All I can say is that the last three years, that I, or the last three seasons, has been full years. Yet, but the last few seasons I've watched have been fan. It's it's been. Obviously, one of my favorite sports ever, and I've, I've, I'm only devoting so much of my week to it, and where I now wake up at two in the morning for <laughs> sports on the occasion. Who the hell does that unless you're a little bit off in the head? So um, there's not a whole lot of sports out there that I wake up at two in the morning for, um, so, especially when my team sucks. Uh, so uh, thank you, Gil, for for helping make a sport that I love. Uh, but, of course, we would love to hear your thoughts on this one. Give us especially your thoughts on the whole Patty Ryder situation. I'm sure you have an opinion, and I want to see it. Um, so hit us up on our socials or leave in the comments like you guys know how to do best. Then also give us your thoughts on what you think about um, Gil McLaughlin's tenure. Is it a success? Is there some stuff you would like to see more out of? Let us know, and we uh, will definitely get back out to you on that one. Uh, but before we get to of course the best list in the history of the afl dying team of the round and our tips we're going first stop into what the blank because i had plenty of times to say this statement watching round four because what the blank was going on sweet damn and what the i'm sure uh <laughs> Just watching the game, Port Alley fans might have said this statement a, a combined million times between that fan base. 
Oh, because it was not a pretty, pretty game. But of course, for those that don't know how What the Blank works, I have three statements for Donnie, and they have a blank at either the beginning, the middle, or the end, and it's up to him to fill in with whatever he wants. It could be a sentence, it could be a word, it could be a grunt, I don't care, it is all up to him. And speaking about poor Adelaide, that is what's going to start us off this week, because statement number one is blank will make Ken Hinckley lose his job. I think a bottom four finish. I, I think will will cause him to lose his job if if he can somehow get himself close to the finals or maybe even into the finals. Which again, it, it's going to be a titanic <laughs> um, effort mm -hmm. to get him there, especially with some of the issues that they have. But I think I think a bottom four finish will will cause Kenny Hinckley to be let go at the end of the season. Um, this this is just it's turned into a train wreck so quickly, unfortunately for Port. And I think a lot again, a lot of pundits saw them as a top four potential flag favorite team, and just everything that ha could and has gone wrong this season has. Mm -hmm. Oh boy! So you, you're on the board where he makes it through the season, though. I I have a hard time seeing the board letting him go early, just because he does. I think he does still have some tenure left on that contract. I think he's still mm -hmm. got a year left, mm -hmm. but I, I think they let him get through the season just because again, we're only four rounds in. I mean, the Swans one year went Oh, and six and still made the finals. So it's not impossible to make the finals, but we're getting to the nitty gritty point where it's like ports got to win some games to get themselves to even have a chance. And I think if they're close, they may, because of the injuries may leave him on. It'll just kind of all depend, but I think a bottom four finish, we'll see him get his uh, pink slip. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't be too surprised right now. The only crush he really has to walk on is the injuries, which of course are a fairly, they're a decent crush to have on you. But, uh, Besides that, it's, it, you can't deny, even with the injuries, that has been a super disappointing to the season so far. Um, but going in to uh, focusing a little bit more on round four as a whole, uh, let's take a look at number, number two, because that is the most embarrassing loss in round of four was blank. There's a few that, that definitely qualify for this. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a few teams that could put their hand up for this one. But for me, it's, it's Port Adelaide. Just because mm -hmm. the the meager and anemic offensively that the port was in this game, are you uh, telling me four and twelve to, is bad? Say, you just the tiniest bit, and it was one of those where it was like, <laughs> again, if a mistake could happen, it found a way to happen in this game. Mm -hmm. And I understood Kenny Hinkley made a few changes to try to keep Melbourne with the ball, but if you just if you if you aren't precise. And everything that you do in a situation like that, it can burn you. And that's kind of what happened. So, yeah, the Port Adelaide falling to Melbourne was probably the most embarrassing loss of this round. Gotcha. I, I mean, of course, like you say, you could definitely put another one, a uh, couple up here. I was almost siding with the, the doggies just because of um, that was just a horrible, horrible performance in there. Uh, and they don't have the excuse that they lost to the best team in the comp in, in the competition thus far. And also, um, I just want to shout out the Giants for putting out just a uh, just a boring, bland performance against a Fremantle team that you have a better chance with, and you probably should have lost in them by thirty four. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. So so 
disappointing. Uh, but at least they're not like uh, Hawthorne and lost by almost double their points. So uh, that that's not the worst thing. Worst things have happened in the past. Um, but going into the last um, statement of this uh, segment right here, Joe Danaher, he's been having a freaking rock star start to his season and he's looking pretty much as good if not better than he was in his all australian days so with that being said coach joe dan her strong start to the season means blank for his brisbane that I mean keeps brisbane in that flag contender potential uh potential um spoil to the to the Melbourne Demons because right now there's th- right now it's hard to argue you have three teams that you're talking mm. in the in the flag contention that is Brisbane that is Geelong and that is the Melbourne Demons. I think if Danaher continues an, an electric season again, the only thing that kind of gets me about Danaher this year is he's had a couple of brain fades, uh, a handball just before the siren when he had a very easy set shot for goal, and an attempt at a, a, an attempted snap that was. Um, touched for a behind, so he's had a couple. He's had a couple. Mm-hmm. He's a couple of goals that he probably would have kicked if he would have just went back and kicked them. But he made a brain fade, made a decision he probably mm-hmm. did. But if Danaher is playing like this, and you get Eric Hipwood back, and you have Cameron, and you have uh, Charlie Cameron, you've got an incredibly good mm-hmm. team that can be a flag favorite, flag contender at the end of the year. So Danaher playing well means I think Brisbane is a flag contender this year, but if he keeps this form as Eric Hipwood comes back. Mm -hmm. So is Joe Danaher, would you say, is he, if it wasn't for uh, the season he's been having, would you even consider Brisbane a top contender at this point? Or is he even the reason why we consider them a top contender? Brisbane is so deep. I I don't think he's the only reason. I mean, they're they're very talented on every single line uh, on Absolutely. that on that field. Yeah. They just make them more dangerous because if you've got to put Danaher, if you've got to take Danaher out, and you've got a Charlie Cameron, and you've got an Eric Kipwood, and you've got a Cam Reyna, and you've got a Dan McStay, and you've got Lincoln McCarthy, who do you guard with your best defender? Because no matter who you guard, your second, your third, your fourth defender's got to go on guys that are just as talented. So if he's mm-hmm. playing that well, and he's your second option or your third option once Hipwood comes back, that's a dangerous thought as a, as a defense as a backlines coach. Who do you take away? Because no matter who you take away, somebody's going to get open because somebody's going to have a weaker defender that they're going to be able to beat. That's what I'm saying. If Danaher is playing like this, that makes Brisbane's chances of winning a flag that much better because if he's on fire, it's only going to help open up other guys because if they take a defender to take him out, it's going to open up other guys to have big games, which is only going to make him that much more dangerous. Absolutely. But, man, Joe Danaher has been freaking sweet this year and maybe it's his his play that's um allowed charlie cameron to be as good and as exciting as he has been so far this year but this brisbane team if you just want to watch entertaining footy um you could brisbane's pretty much going to guarantee you that each round and and they're besides the giants well i wouldn't say i like watching the giants besides the game i'm gonna watch uh, pretty much the other game I'm going to watch is the Brisbane Lions, just because no matter when you know, win, win or lose, or hopefully not a draw, because I hate those. Um, but they're always exciting, uh, and they, they always bring in. But um, Joey Danher is definitely, definitely putting on so far this year. Um, 
But that's going to do it for our What the Blank for round of four. Let's know if you said What the Blank uh, for any one of your team's performances or uh, maybe just a certain call in general. But that's going to bring us into the best list you'll hear all week. The only one that matters. The one that is the best in all the land from sea to sea that stretches across the Pacific. And I'm... Uh, that that's all I have to say about it. It is Coach Tony's team of the round because if you're going to look for a better list out there for a team of the round, um, quit looking because you're not going to find one. So, Coach, it's time to fill us in. What do you have in store for us? Oh, man, this this was a very interesting week. A lot of really good performances. So let, let's get her started again. We always start with the defenders for the mm-hmm. team of the week. And it's hard not to argue, though, again, he didn't have a ton of things to do, but he did have quite a heck of a game. That's Melbourne's Stephen May. 25 disposals, a behind, 11 intercept possessions, three score involvements, nine marks, and 692 meters gained. Geelong's Mark Blitzovs, 22 disposals, two behinds, four intercept possessions, a goal assist, 10 score involvements, seven marks, five clearances, eight tackles, and 212 meters gained. And I didn't write this down, but he had like 22 hitouts as well because he was their backup ruckman. So uh, an incredible performance by Mr. Blitzovs mm. there. Collingwood's yeah. Scott Pendlebury, the move back to the defense has actually given Scott a, a renewed little spirit here in, in another good performance for Collingwood in this game. And with 23 disposals, a behind, two intercept possessions, eight score involvements, three marks, three clearances, and 338 meters gained. Gold Coast Lockie Wheeler. This guy was incredible in their game against Carlton. 31 disposals, a goal, six intercept possessions, two goal assists, 10 score involvements, eight marks, and 811 meters gained. St. Kilda's Bradley Hill. Now, this game, he primarily played a little bit more forward in this game, but he's still classified as a defender. So I'm going to have him on my defensive line, but I think next week if he plays like he did this week, he will not qualify as a defender. That is Bradley Hill. 23 disposals, four goals, a behind, a goal assist, seven score involvements, nine marks, and 445 meters gained. As you can see, the four goals is not something a defender usually does. Richmond's Jaden Short, mm-hmm. 35 disposals, a goal, four intercept possessions, three score involvements, six marks, and 810 meters gained. We jump to the center of the field in the engine room. We'll start with the big man that is the Ruck, and that is Todd Goldstein from the North Melbourne Ruse, having an incredible game against Sydney. 16 disposals, 2 goals, 2 goal assists, 7 score involvements, 5 marks, 13 tackles, and 319 meters gain. We jump to the middies where we have Melbourne's James Harms. 23 disposals, 2 goals, 4 intercept possessions, a goal assist, 5 score involvement, 7 marks, 3 clearances, 3 tackles, and 325 meters gained. One of the other gentlemen that gave me a lot of headaches this last weekend, and that's North's Jai Simpkin. Simpkin. <laughs> 33 disposals, a goal, five intercept possessions, six score involvements, three marks, five clearances, four tackles, and 543 meters gained. Richmond's Dion Prestia, 30 disposals, a goal, five intercept possessions, two goal assists, seven score involvements, seven marks, three clearances, and 383 meters gained. St. Kilda's Jack Steele, 33 disposals, a goal, a behind, six intercept possessions, a goal assist, eight score involvements, 10 marks, Marks, five clearances, 
four tackles and 383 meters gained. Rounding out the midfields, we have Gold Coast's Noah Anderson, 35 disposals, mm. a goal, six intercept possessions, four score involvements, 10 clearances, and 682 meters gained. We jump to the goal kickers, and we start off with Mr. Tom Hawkins of the Geelong Cats. 14 disposals, five goals, three behinds, 11 score involvements, seven marks, and three tackles. The former defender turned full forward this weekend, North Jack Zebel, nine disposals, five goals, a behind, a goal assist, seven score involvements, three marks, and three tackles. Richmond's Tom Lynch, nine disposals, four goals, four score involvements, five marks, and three tackles. He's returned, and he makes an impact. Tex Walker of the Adelaide Crows, 18 disposals, four goals, a goal assist, seven score involvements, six marks, and 473 meters gained. The man, the myth, the legend over the past few weeks, and that's St. Kilda's Max King. 17 disposals, four goals, a behind, two goal assists, nine score involvements, eight marks, and 260 Three meters gained also from the St. Kilda Footy Club, Mr. Tim Membry. Fifteen disposals, four goals, a behind, six score involvements, and eight marks. We jump to the bench. We have defender, the young kid from the Sydney Swans, Mr. Braden Campbell. 21 disposals, nine nine intercept possessions, a goal assist, five score involvements, five marks, five tackles, and 501 meters gained. Also from the Sydney Swans, midfielder Justin McInerney, 30 disposals, a goal, a behind, five intercept possessions, six score involvements, six marks, seven clearances, and 419 meters gained. We jump to the big guy. We talked about him earlier. Our ruck from St. Kilda, Patty Ryder. Ten disposals, two goals, a behind, a goal assist, six score involvements, three clearances, four tackles, and 20 hitouts. And we end our mm-hmm. team of the week with forward Daniel McStay. Fourteen disposals, three goals, a behind, a goal assist, seven score involvements, four marks, and 296 meters gained. Wow. What a team. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty hard to, to uh, complain about one of those kind of lists. And sweet damn, just imagine that actually being your fantasy footy team. I know I could use all the help I could get at this point, um, but we're not going to talk about that. Instead, what we're going to talk about <laughs> is something that I'm a little bit better at, and that is tipping these games. I know I teased a little bit earlier that I had something in store, and that I I still know for a fact that you guys will not be uh, – Disappointed with this one, I actually, you might not even be surprised considering my track record. So we're going to get into things here because we got, starting us off at the GABA, we got the Brisbane Lions, we got the Collingwood Magpies, both coming off of losses, and we got 64% of tippers going with the Lions. Um, I'm a little bit surprised by these percentages, but uh, what do you think? Who's going to start us off this round with a win? I'm going to go with the Brizzy Lions on this one. I just think I like Collingwood, but Collingwood, that, that loss to West Coast damaged me a little bit to him. And the fact they lose Jamie it's, Elliott that's to a an AC loss. joint injury where, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. well, it's a bad loss, but it's not a bad loss because I think West Coast is a team and I think of they're going to go from the team everybody expected to lose every game to a team that's now starting to be like really, really good because they're getting quality players back each and every week. So they're, they're going, going from those a team underrated teams somehow. Well, they're they're, they're going to go from what everybody said the waffle team that everybody can beat to the team that that 
the normal West Coast Eagles team where, where you go, you're scared to play them because they have the opportunity and the ability to beat you. Um, I'm going to go Brisbane Lions on this one just because, again, they're at home at the Gabba. They play the Gabba really well. Mm-hmm. Collingwood travels to the Gabba actually surprisingly well, which is – but I don't like some of their outs. I think some of their outs hurt them. Like I said, Jamie Elliott being out, but that means the big old big Mason Cox comes back in. So we'll have to see yes, if Yes, it does. As you one time as you one time quoted the greatest footy player ever to live – I um, still stand by that one hundred percent. But yeah, I, I've I've got Brizzy, I've got Brizzy in this one. I think Brizzy's just a little bit too good. Mm-hmm. So many talented things, and just a few injuries in the worst possible spots for Collingwood. So I'm going to have the Lions in this one. Um, it's never a real AFL show unless we bring up the name of the legend that is Mason Cox, the baddest man on the planet, the one with the longest stride in the highest sleep. He really should be a giant. Uh, man, I really wish that would that make me so happy. Uh, but of course, we all can't have nice things all the time. Please come to GWS Mason. I that would I would do a lot of things for that one. Um, I would. That would make me want to buy a Guernsey with the name on it because I know that's something. That's an idea that's been tossed around recently. Um, not to the chagrin of the traditionalists, but in this one, um, I guess I'm going to roll with the Lions, even though I really, just solely for the fact that they got Mason Cox in the lineup, that kind of makes you a finals contender at any point of the season. Uh, I'll, I'll go with the majority on this one. But the one that I will not side with the majority, Donnie, is this next game, and that is the Ruse and the Western Bulldogs. Call me crazy, but you know, I have to give you at least one of these one of these tips around, and you know, half the time they might come true. But the five percenters is where I'm riding this round because the Ruse are going to knock off the Western Bulldogs. The great play from the Ruse against the Swans last last round is going to come through again. And if this, if they uh, could barely lose to the Swans and the Swans could beat the Western Bulldogs, we all know AFL math works out 100% of the time. But even without that, I think North Melbourne is a very underrated team. The Western Bulldogs on, are on a pretty poor skid at the moment. And just going from the play that we saw from either team last round, I think the momentum's with North. And so, uh, for a underdog, talk about value bet right here too. The Western Doggies are the favorite, a buck fourteen. You can get in on the North Melbourne Bruce for five bitty. That's where I'm going. Oh man! Uh, to be completely honest with you, <laughs> this was one I I thought about going with you on this one. I seriously did. Like I looked at it and I went. <laughs> Western Bulldogs has has not been playing well. North, I think, but I'm I'm interested to see how this one goes. I'm gonna tip I'm gonna tip the Western Bulldogs in this one, but this is kind of like my Gold Coast Carlton game. This is the one. This is the one I see that I'm like I'm I'm gonna keep an eye on this one because this one could be quite a fascinating matchup because if North can put a little bit of fear into the Western Bulldogs, can it change the issue? The, the biggest matchup I think is is. How does Timmy English handle the two-headed monster that is Goldstein and Jerry in the mid, in, in the rock battle? Mm. Because both of those two had incredible games against Sydney. Is is Tim English a little bit better than what a, a first game Peter Laddams is with Sydney? Maybe we'll have to see. I'm going to go Western, but I think this this is an incredibly closer game than I think a lot of people are expecting. Sorry, Don, you're going to have to put a dollar in the cuss jar because you said the word Western. 
that oh, was yeah, not sorry. followed by the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Un- straight to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Do not collect And you're going to be bucks. the ridic- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I Jinx. love it. Uh, the next one, we got your Sydney Swans heading on over to the Optus uh, grounds to take on the West Coast Eagles. We got 78% riding with the Swans. I will take them, but this has the chances to be a lot closer of a game than the percentages might, and even the odds might show as well. I, I'm I'm completely with you in this, especially when it sounds like they could be getting most of their starting midfield back all of this round. This is going to mm-hmm. be a tight contest. I'm I'm going to go Sydney on this one only only. Well, I'm only going to go Sydney on this one just because there are still enough kind of makeshift lower lower. Um, Lower list players on the West Coast Eagles that I think mm. Sydney's got an advantage in a few places. The midfield will be an interesting battle. Nick Nat is out, so they don't have that mm. dynamic ruck to get them kind of going forward. So I'm wondering if this is a good game for Peter Laddams. He's going to go up against a younger a younger ruck who I think he might have a better advantage with, which I think might even out the contest in in the center because it, there may be more experience on the West Coast Eagles, but I think there's more speed on the Sydney Swans, and I think mm-hmm. that might be the difference in the in, in the midfield battle. The biggest question will be defensively for Sydney is how do they how do they handle the, the twin towers that is Darling and Kennedy? We'll have to see how that goes. But then it's like I don't know if West Coast can handle some of the the, the fact that Isaac Heaney's playing really, really well. Will Hayward still playing really, really well? Um, I think Logan McDonald, the Western Australian boy, will come in for Buddy Franklin, giving them a, a big tall that can kick goals. He's got some speed to him. So I'm going to tip Sydney in this one, but I agree this one is close. This one is way Unfortunately, Sydney. I think Sydney's one fans a lot like the North Melbourne game. This is going to be one that's going to come down late to the fourth quarter. I think Sydney just pips this one by a little, maybe about two goals max. Oh yeah, I, I am nervous if I'm a Swans fan. But taking us to the next team is actually um, one of these games that I highlighted as a team with um, kind of one of the bigger question marks around them, and maybe a little bit a lot of the pressure to perform come round five and that is the St. Kilda Saints right now they're um, sitting cozy in the top four you know they're riding three straight wins but they're going up against a Gold Coast Suns team that just knocked off Carlton and this Suns team is one that we always we uh, out I'm not sure if there's is mate you know anyone out there compared to us at the least I haven't heard them so I can say this without being ignorant I have yet to see someone be as high on the Gold Coast Suns consistently as I am as you are as we are the show and Gold Coast they they proved us a little bit right last round when they took out Carlton now this is a risky game for St. Kilda I'm not sure if I like the Bettyons on this one uh, with St. Kilda being more than uh, you know uh, two times favorite to win this I'm going to go with them, but a Gold Coast Suns win here would be the least surprising thing. I'm. This is another one, just a lot like the North Melbourne Western Bulldogs game where I sat there and I clicked on the Gold Coast Suns when I first started at HEP. I clicked on it. I'm like, yep. Wits is there. Ryder's not playing. Suns get a big win over Carlton. St. Kilda coming off. Relatively easy game against Hawthorne. People are starting to jump on the Saints bag bandwagon a lot like Carlton. Like there's a lot of similarities of of, of 
kind of Carlton, like St. Kilda fans are starting to get more confident. They're starting to, they're starting to kind of come out of the woodwork a little bit more. And again, it's like the sons of that. <laughs> Maybe not be ashamed team. Like to be a Saints everybody's, fan. <laughs> everybody's kind of disrespecting the Suns. I think the Suns are a much better team than many people give them credit for. I'm going to tip the Saints in this one. A lot like Car- a lot like Carlton. I, I tipped Carlton, but said there's possibility. I'm going to do the same thing here. I'm going to tip St. Kilda, but it will not surprise me if Gold Coast wins this game just because you just you never know. Gold Coast has become kind of that bogey team for some of these teams. So I tip St. Kilda, mm-hmm. but I, I think Gold Coast is kind of make this a game. Yeah, I'm 100% double dipping here. If St. Kilda wins, I win. If Gold Coast wins, I still win on the moral ground, not necessarily tipping ground. So I'll take that when <laughs> I can. Um, the next one, we got the Richmond Tigers going on over to the Adelaide over- Oval to take on the Crows. The Tigers coming off of a huge win, but also Adelaide, even though they uh, might not necessarily got the result they wanted, they played a really tight game against a, a game Essendon team. This is a big one right here. We saw the um, the instant aid that um, Tex Walker brought to the, the footy for Adelaide. But Richmond really showed out against the doggies. So I'm just going to have to ride with them on this one. I'm with you. I'm going to go Richmond. I think Adelaide is still a young team. I think they're still going to have some growing pains. I think this potentially could be another one of those growing pain games where Yes, they're at home. Yes, you'd think they'd play better, but this is a Richmond side that they are. They are very. They're very good on their day. If the question Richmond's is, really are they good on? and not if, dying? <laughs> it's just not going well, away ever. But then again, though, you could you could say the Western Bulldogs. There's still questions over them. It, this, it, it, like I said, if Richmond is on, mm-hmm. they can beat anybody. If they're off, yeah. just the littlest bit they're beatable. And that's what I think Mm -hmm. is kind of always the the caveat. That's always kind of fun with this Richmond Tigers team. So I'm going to tip the Tigers in this one, but again, it's a young crows team. They, 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 they're being labeled as the, as the underdog. And you never know at home. Sometimes they can find a way to pull one out. So, but I'm going to tip Richmond in this one. Mm -hmm. Love it. And then that one is going to take us to the game that I am not looking forward to in the slightest. I'm just hoping that the Giants stay within a hundred on this one. Um, 99% of tippers are taking Melvin over the Giants, and um, I don't blame them because I am one of them. And if you're one of the one percent that's either rooting um, for the Giants or if you're just trying to think on a huge upset, uh, more power to you. Even as a fan, this is going to be the first time this season that I am tipping against GWS. <laughs> Melbourne, but I think GWS is going. I think they're going to push them. Uh, I don't. I don't think this is going to be as simple okay. as some people think it is. Thanks uh, for the this, hope. But I, I think they'll push them. But I think Melbourne will still win this by at least two or three goals. But I think GWS pushes them a little bit more than some people think. Okay, I, I I'm okay with that one. Um, I, I just want a good game. Um, next off, we for someone probably a fan base that just wants a good game. Let's talk about Port Adelaide as they're taking on the Carlton Blues this round. And um, even with the possible addition of a Lear Lear, I'm still not sold on them. I like Carlton better, and I like Carlton at home at the MCG as well. 
I'm I'm gonna go Carlton again at the MCG. Whether Alir Alir is 100% is the nine million dollar question. And then there's people that are like, "Well, <laughs> Patty Cripps is out. What? How? How is Carlton? Well, Patty Cripps is out, but Ollie Wines, unfortunately, with his heart issue that he had, is also out. So, I think that's an even even loss for both teams. Which is such a shame. I really hope he's have soon. The game misses him. Yeah, well, well, and. It's one of those. I hope he recovers quickly, but I just I don't like the, the some of the some of the talk on on certain on certain um, social media products about about why it was. Uh, we know what you're talking about. Yeah, we we, we, yep. we won't go we won't go there. But it was very ill informed, especially once the doctors <laughs> we, actually came out. You probably know what we're talking about that, anyway, so it's okay. Yeah, well, it's doctors came out and said that this particular <laughs> this particular situation with the heart is very common in high performance athletes. So there you go, people that think that ridiculous thought process. There you go, you're, you've just been debunked. Boom, you're done. Okay, Carlton wins the. I think Carlton <laughs> just win, wins this one. But the biggest question I have is: Does Mark Pitnett play? If Mark Pitnett does not play then Port Adelaide has a really good chance of winning this game because you could tell if Scotty Lysette is healthy and playing, he can have a dominant game like Jared Witts, and that's going to really hurt Carlton. I'm going to tip Carlton, mm-hmm. but I really wish I knew if Pitnett was playing because if Pitnett's playing, I'm much more confident in this Carlton pick. If he's not, I'm a little frightened on this one because then I think Carlton is right for the picking for a Port team that even though they can't score – Carlton, they're going to get much more of the footy if Carlton doesn't have pit net rocking for him. <laughs> now this next one, I think this was the hardest game for me to tip um, out of anyone this round, and the odds definitely show it because Frio is coming to this game only as a four-cent underdog. We got 60% of tipsers going with the Essendon Dons. Um, I am rolling with Essendon. I am not confident in that pick. I'm not really confident if I picked Frio either. Are you in the same boat? I on it honest to God, when I first tipped this, I tipped Essendon and then I thought about it for a little bit and I go, well, mm-hmm. Essendon's a team that has got significant injuries in certain right spots. Mm-hmm. Their ruck their ruck Stringer's position is okay. Week, right? but, yep. Yeah, and then but but with Frio, it's like a young team, very good defensively, which I think might negate Essendon. A really good ruck that I think is going to have a field day. So I flipped this one. Originally, I started off as Essendon. I tipped Fremantle in this one. I know the 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 jinx on Western Australian teams when they leave the confines of Western Australia, they don't play as well. But I just I like the grittiness of this of this Fremantle team. They've played tough this year. They got a win on at mm-hmm. Adelaide, which I think is massive for their confidence on the road. I'm going to tip Frio in what some people would say an upset, but I don't really consider this an upset. I think this is a really, really even team because you've got a team that can score but doesn't play great defense, and you've got a team that plays great defense but doesn't score well. So it's like, which which pill do you want to take the great offense, but not good defense or the good defense, but not great offense. So I'm going to tip the great defense to stop the mm-hmm. great offense and to maybe have enough offense to be able to score on a, a lackluster defense. So I'm going to tip Frio on this mm-hmm. one. 
it's still, it's still a heck of a tough one there. Bit of an easier one, but maybe not as easy as people might think is Geelong and Hawthorne because the, if Geelong keeps on playing that the way they, they have this year, especially the way they looked against Brisbane, they're they're pretty much a human to win this game. But Hawthorne is always a, it's a Gold Coast-esque team where they're uh, going to be a thorn in your side, and but also we not – not necessarily necessarily sure what kind of uh, team you're going to get with them. I'm going with the Geelong Cats, uh, but you know a close game isn't out of the picture. I I think the Cats and the Hawks play close games all the time. I mean all the time. So I'm 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 really I'm I'm really with you on that one. I think the Cats win this one, but I think this is a humdinger. This this one comes down late. I I think. The Cats' ability to move the footy will be interesting to see how it goes against a young, mm. quick, rebounding halfback line. How do they attack that? Does Tom Stewart come back in the game? And how, do the, how does this young back line handle Hawkins and Cameron? Because if those two get loose, it's going to be a long, long day in defense. If they can shut them down a little bit, they're really in this game. So I'm really intrigued to see how this goes. Cats, I think, win this. But I think this is this is one that comes down late in the game, which I cannot wait for a Monday early morning game. Oh my gosh, we're really going to get that, aren't we? Oh, the perks of being an American Aussie footy fan. Um, oh boy, you know it's what we do. It's what we do for you guys as well. So that's why um, you should go ahead and subscribe if you haven't yet, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in to our round four breakdown. Of course, cover the widespread of the topics, um, but most important, let us know your thoughts on uh, on the Saint Kill the Saints. Um, let us know. Do you uh, maybe you want to jump on the bandwagon with the uh, North Melbourne Ruse with me? If not, I don't blame you. If you do, you are a brave soul, and I love you even more for that one. Also, we need to make a Paddy Ryder suspension. A lot of drama going along with that one, and everyone has a different opinion, so let me see yours. But besides that, thank you guys so much for tuning in. It really has been a blast, and just some quick news before we head out. Um, I know a lot of you guys are also followed the other main sports we cover with the NFL and um, MMA, and so um, we got some news coming out where uh, right now, make sure we're going to get a lot more MMA stuff in terms of variety of channels because you need to go on over and not only follow us, but follow FCC, um, Full Combat Contender. Um, we're going to be um, getting a lot of content out. We, um, I'm becoming a um, you know content creator with that company. So, of course, hit, um, hit us up on our Twitter and Instagram and find them there. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And also, once a new United States MMA media company starts up, I'm not going to give you the name. I don't have the exact time yet, but once that does later this year, the show is going to be making a transition to Fourth Long will only be a AFL and NFL show moving forward. Of course, we still have some time for there, but there's going to be a lot of exciting stuff. If you like footy, you're going to get more of that. If you like MMA as well, you're going to get a lot more of that um, in just different places. So I'm super excited to have you guys along inside for this. It's going to be a new era of the show, and um, new merch comes out soon. Uh, or you can still get this... Um, the uh actually donnie i'm sure you like this i'm sure um food defense would, would appreciate this too especially with like you know what sydney a lot of teams go through i'm releasing or less releasing more renaming the current merch to the fourth long heritage collection 
<laughs> I love it. <laughs> they have creative rebranding right there, huh? Yep, that's that's absolute gold there. Absolute gold. <laughs> Marketing genius, baby. I'll put that on my resume too. But thank you guys so much for sticking to the end. Make sure to check out all of our play stuff at thefourthlong.com forward slash AFL. We're everywhere. Instagram, Twitter. So is Donnie. He's on Twitter a lot more often. But yeah, go ahead. Follow his Instagram for fun. Of course, they're both at Coach Hess 40 But Coach, your thoughts on Joe Danaher's season in one word or phrase switching up a little bit oh oh Joe Danaher's season spectacular he's had a wonderful he's he's had a spectacular season this year he's playing really well on a really good team and not easy to go down to Geelong and get a win so the loss is not something that I would I would be lowering your heads and changing their finals thoughts on but a, a, a spectacular season for him i'm just happy he's healthy because he had so many he had several years at essendon where he just wasn't playing well i just mm-hmm. wanted to see a guy like that come out and be successful and happy so a spectacular season for joe danaher and happy he is healthy spectacular just like this show and all of you lovely people that tune in every week we'll see you after the actions of round five um best of luck to your favorite team unless they are the demons in that chance in that case you'll need luck stop being greedy we'll see you next week